Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. I mean, you know that you being here today is not by accident, right? There's no accidents. The Lord has you here today because he has a word to give you specifically. So if you were here last week, you got to hear Heather preach the first message in this Crave series. Excuse me. And it was just such a beautiful Sunday. The presence of God was so present. Heather's message was so good. If I gave you all the notes... I would just re-preach it. And if you were here, you also saw that beautiful banquet table that she put together for us with all that amazing food. It was so beautiful. Thank you for doing that. It takes a lot of work. And that was our communion last week. And when I was sitting in my chair, I was looking at that table and I thought, you know what, the Lord is our table. He is the one who provides. He is the one who nourishes us. He is the one that fills us. But we had to actually get out of our seats and come to the table to receive the gifts, to receive the fullness that God has for us. But like Heather said last week, we so often turn to the world to satisfy us and to fill us. But the reality is all the world will do is leave you feeling empty. That's all they have to offer you is emptiness. There's a verse in Psalm 42 that says, deep calls out to deep. That means there is a deep, deep longing in each of us to be known by God, to know God, to be filled with the things of God. But we've been missing it. We're missing something. The church is missing something. And Heather touched on this last week. She said, Jesus is looking for a bride whose oil lamps are full. Is your oil lamp full? And then she said she's worried that the bride has been slumbering. And and she's right. You guys, if you look at the past however many decades of the church in America, do you think the bride of Christ has been awake and on fire for the Lord? Have you been awake and on fire for the Lord? No, The bride of Christ has been slumbering, and you know why? Because the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age, has been lulling the bride to sleep, and it is time to wake up. Most of us are running on empty. We have no oil in our lamps because we're full of the things that actually suck the life out of us instead of give us life. So that's what we're going to talk about today is how God wants to fill us. And I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, I just ask that you would transform us by your word, Lord. And I just dedicate this message to you, God, in Jesus' name. So a couple of years ago, I had a friend who posted a picture of Buddha on social media. And in the comments, it said, inner peace to all. And then hashtag go within. And I remember thinking, yeah, no, that's, that's not it. That's not what I'm going to do. And I couldn't bring myself to even like that post. And not because I thought 
you know, the pursuit of inner peace is bad or wrong or we shouldn't desire peace, but it's because I knew that I knew that I knew you don't go within yourself to find it. You don't go within yourself to find anything because I know what God's word says. And God's word says the heart is deceitful above all things. So if you go within yourself by yourself, you're not going to see things clearly. You might even be deceived by what you find there. You're not going to see it the way the Lord wants you to see it. So if you ever go within yourself, make sure to take Jesus with you. Because he's the one that examines the heart. It's like what King David said, right? He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you. David knew he couldn't do that himself. We don't find inner peace apart from God. We don't find fulfillment apart from him. We can't even recognize our own sinfulness apart from God showing us. And I know there's people that probably are thinking, well, I know some Buddhists, maybe. I don't know if anyone knows people that practice Buddhism, but, you know, they're very Zen, very calm, very peaceful. Maybe, maybe they have found peace in something else besides the God of the Bible. Maybe they've tapped into something. Maybe, but in 2019, 19 Buddhist monks were arrested for attempted murder and illegal weapons possession. That's kind of supposed to be funny. <laughs> but it's true. It's actually true. I looked this up. And as I was searching this, you guys, there's a lot of stories on the internet about angry Buddhist monks. And I'm not picking on Buddhists. I'm just saying whatever they're tapping into is a counterfeit. It's not the real thing. The enemy is the counterfeit. He counterfeits everything that God says and does. And what he does is he gives us these half-truths. Because what's a half-truth? It's a half-lie. Because there is inner peace available, but not apart from God. John 15, 5. You can turn there if you want. Jesus says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, if you're like me, I read a verse like that and I think, okay, Lord, I'm going to have to wrestle this out with you because you say we can do nothing apart from you, but when I look around the world, I see an awful lot of people who are doing real good and they're very apart from you. They actually reject you. They actually would be considered wicked and evil in your eyes. And when I compare their life to mine, it looks like they have more favor than I do. What's that about, Lord? And then the Lord's like, oh, Rochelle. <laughs> oh, Rochelle. Your, your thinking is small. Let's look at this eternally. What happens after this life is over? Well, everything that they have built, everything that they have produced will burn up in his presence. But to our natural eyes, it seems like you could build a pretty good life apart from God. And the reality is, I think a lot of us have done that. We've had seasons where we've done it. Maybe you're in a season now where you're building things and you're producing things that are apart from him, meaning things you haven't invited him into things you haven't included him in on. And 
you know, we forget that God is a God that wants to be a part of it all, from huge life-altering decisions down to a TV show you decide to watch. And oftentimes we don't want to include him in that because you know what? It's probably not something you should be watching. That's a possibility. God wants to be present in everything, every joy, every pain, every high, every low, every success, every failure. And you know what? God is God, so he's there. He's there for it, but he wants you to invite him in to all those spaces. But the truth is, God usually only gets a portion of us. He only gets these bits and these pieces because we have made him an accessory. He's only a piece of what we put on when we should be clothing ourselves in him every single day from the moment we wake up. And because we tend to make him small, our faith is small. Because you, you can't have big faith in a small God. Have you made God small? Because what happens when we do that, and I think we see this in the church, especially here in America, is we are lacking awe and wonder in who God is. There's no excitement or passion for what he is doing in our own lives and in the earth. You guys, you realize that God goes outside the four walls of this church and the four walls of your home. He's the God of everything. The things he is doing in the earth right now are absolutely incredible. And so many of us have our heads in the sand. And I know I'm one. I get excited about the Lord. I love to talk about his word. I love to talk about him. And I want other people to get riled up with. It's fun. God is the funnest thing, person, you could ever serve. You could ever give your time to. We should be making a lot more noise about God than we do. Another thing I see is there's, there's a real lack of hunger and desire to read and study God's word. And I'm not calling anyone out, but I know for a fact there's multiple people in this room that have said things like, well, I just don't have a desire. I don't have a desire to read God's word. It's boring, or I just don't get it. And I actually, I want to address this today, because I think it needs to be addressed. So let's put this into perspective. You say that you believe in the God of the Bible. That means you believe in the creator of of the universe, the, the, the guy who formed you in the womb, and yet you say you have no desire to read the supernatural, active, living word of God that will transform your life. You say you have no desire to read um, the book that literally has every single tool you would need to navigate every single situation in your life. You say you don't have a desire to read the full and complete revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is. You say you don't have a desire to read the one book who literally gives you everything from the very beginning. You got all the middle, and then you got the end. <laughs> We're in the middle, by the way, but it's all in here. So here's, here's my challenge to you today. If that is you today, I want you to ask yourself this. Do you think that that is your own feeling? Or is it possible that your enemy has planted that inside of you? 
because he is trying to keep you from walking in the fullness of God, what he has for you. This is the one thing, this is the one thing that will feed you and fill you so that you won't be going to the world to fill yourself. I mean, listen, are you one, do you, do you do this? Do you say, gosh, I just, I don't know why I'm still stuck in the same place. I don't know why I still struggle with the same sin. Why can't I, why can't I get rid of this rage and this anger? Why do I seem sad all the time? I can't break free of this. Whatever it is, do you ask yourself these questions? Well, ask yourself this one. What am I feeding on? What am I filling myself up with? We need to ask ourselves these, ourselves these questions. Because, listen, you guys, we are real good about lying to ourselves about our spiritual condition. Like, I read my devotional today. I, I read my daily verse. I sent my monthly payment off to feed the hungry. I put the accessories on. It looks good. But the reality is we are not full of Jesus, of his spirit. We even, there's this thing that I've noticed even in myself, we even kind of want to pat ourselves on the back when we make time for God. This is something the Lord showed me when I was preparing this message, how we'll say things to each other like, well, have you spent time with the Lord lately? Or we say, you know, I haven't, I haven't made time for God. Okay, make time for God? Listen, I know when we say things like that, the intention behind that is good. But our words matter and our thinking matters. Those two things are very powerful. So make time for God? He's just another appointment in your calendar? He's just another coffee date. Turn to Amos 4.13. For the Lord is the one who shaped the mountains, stirs up the winds, and reveals his thoughts to mankind. He turns the light of dawn into darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord God of heaven's armies is his name. That's the guy we need to fit into our schedules. Listen, a God that you need to pencil in isn't a very big God. God doesn't fit into our schedules. He's not going to fit into anything. Any box you try to shove him in, he is not going to fit in there. He's just not going to do it. But what he will do and what he wants to do is fill you. Billy Graham said this about the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, I am convinced that to be filled with the Spirit is not an option, but a necessity. It is indispensable for the abundant life and for fruitful service. The Spirit-filled life is not abnormal. It is the normal Christian life. Anything less is subnormal. It is less than what God wants and provides for his children. Therefore, to be filled with the Spirit is should never be thought of as an unusual or unique experience for only a select few. It is intended for all, needed by all, and available to all. That is why the scripture commands all of us, be filled with the Spirit. Which brings me to Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. It 
says, and don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit, and your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord. Keep speaking to each other with words of scripture, singing the psalms and praises and spontaneous songs given by the Spirit. So there's a comparison here between getting drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. So why is that? God could have used another example to, to be filled, right? Like I was trying to think of what they ate back then. Don't stuff yourself with ham. Did they eat ham? I don't know. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Sh should have been obvious, Rochelle. But it says, don't get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what happens when you get drunk? <gasps> I've never been drunk. There's people in this room that have been drunk. Or you've been around someone who's been drunk. So what happens? Have you heard the saying, you lose your inhibitions? You lose your inhibitions. Well, one definition of inhibition is a feeling of embarrassment or worry that prevents you from saying or doing what you want. So basically, you lose self-control, and not in a good way, right? You say things you normally wouldn't say. You act in a way you normally wouldn't act. The next day you wake up, you feel like crap, and then you start thinking about the night before, and you're like, did I say that out loud? Was that me dancing on that table? And you start to feel like an idiot, like, oh, shoot, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Wish I wouldn't have said that, because those are things of the flesh. Those are things apart from God. But when you're full of his spirit, you lose your inhibitions to what God wants to do in and through you. So when he wants to move, you'll let him move through you. When he wants to speak, you'll allow him to speak through you. When he wants you to dance, you'll dance. When he wants you to sing in praise to him, you will sing, whether you're here or whether you're doing dishes at your kitchen sink. See, when you're full of the Holy Spirit of God, he's going to go everywhere with you, and you will not be able to ignore the promptings of what he's desiring from you. In any moment, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. That word continually is really important because if we're not doing it continually, asking to be filled, filling ourselves with his word and the things of God, there's a whole lot of other things that will be glad to take that space in your life. And that's actually the problem with many of us is we don't have much room left for God to fill us, because if it's not wine we're full of, count the things. We could all probably list a bunch of things right now that take up our time, our energy, our thoughts, our desires that are apart from God. I agree with Billy Graham that it's not an option. It is a necessity to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we want to walk in the will of God. And I said the will of God, and everybody's like, oh, the will of God. That, that terminology, the will of God, I feel like the church has kind of stayed away from. We don't talk about that a whole lot. It's intimidating for some reason, but it's because we've overcomplicated it. Because 
The reality is the will of God for each of you is that you are a light in the darkness, that you are salt to the earth, that you help to make the name of Jesus famous, that you be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's the will of God. And we will need to be full of his spirit continually to do those things in the current climate we're living in. In the current state of the world, we're going to need to be full of his spirit to speak the truth, to stand on the truth, to walk in the truth of his word. Because unless you've been in a coma the last few years, you have seen and you have felt and you have witnessed continual demonic attacks on the truth of God's word. I mean, I hate to bring this up again, but guys, we can't ignore this. We are living in a world that wants you to agree that men can be women and women can be men. And not only that, they want you to believe that it's loving and kind and accepting to allow grown men in drag to dance sexually in front of children. This is happening. And it's happening on our watch. And it literally is insane. But God has shown me that it's also exciting. It's exciting because we were chosen by God to live in this time because he is trusting us with something that only this generation can carry. We have a mantle to carry. It's time to pick it up and be obedient But it makes me righteously angry to see some of the wickedness that's happening around us. Isaiah 5.20 says, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. I mean, we're seeing this on a massive scale. And maybe you think to yourself, well, I don't say that evil is good and good is evil. I don't agree with a lot that's happening in the world, but I'm just, I'm not one to speak up about it because I don't want to be political. I don't want to be divisive or whatever other reason that you have. I want to tell you today that you are called to be a voice for God. You are called to speak truth with boldness. You are called to battle evil. 2 Corinthians 10.4. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. We throw that out a lot, right? Well, it's, it's not the weapons of the world. It's God's weapons. But you know what they're for? They're to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So this right here, God's truth, his word, is one of those weapons to combat what we're seeing today. Ephesians 5.11 says, take no part in the fruit." in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So it's not that we just don't participate in evil and darkness, but we are to expose evil and darkness. That means you help to reveal it. You uncover it. You shine a light on it. It means that you point to it and you say, that is wicked, that is evil, that is not of God. This is what God says about that. 
We are the people of God. We have a responsibility to stand on the truth, to defend the truth of God's word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you defend the truth, guess what? You're defending him. But the pressure to conform to this world is so, so strong. Maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said, you can do nothing apart from me. He's saying, it's only by my spirit that you're going to be able to be light in the darkness. It's only by my spirit that you can be salt to the earth. It's only by my spirit filling you that you'll be able to expose evil and stand on the truth in a world that wants to persecute you for it. It's only by my spirit. So let's look at some of the things that Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit. Turn to John 16, 7. So in the verses leading up to this verse, Jesus was explaining to his disciples everything that was going to happen to him. I'm going to suffer. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bloody. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to, I'm going to be buried. Then I'm going to raise up from the dead. And then I have to go to my father. That's actually what perked their ears up. They were like, wait a second, you're going to leave us? Hold on a second, you're going to leave? And Jesus said this. He said, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. This verse is kind of funny to me because I think, what were the disciples thinking? Here Jesus is telling them, you know, the ones that can see him with their own eyes, touch him with their hands, hear his actual voice. Jesus is like, you know, I have to go and I'm going to send my invisible self to you. I don't think that they believed him. I don't think that they believed it would be better. And then Luke 24, 49. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. He appears to his disciples and he says this. He says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. There's been a lot of teaching in the church in America, maybe other parts of the world too, but I think especially here in America that it's called the cessation of the gifts, right? So this teaching that all those things, all that power, all that authority, signs and wonders, miracles died with the disciples. I want to tell you that is a false teaching. It's a false teaching. And I don't have time, but there's plenty of evidence in Scripture that that same power is available to us today. So it's a word for us today, you guys. The Holy Spirit will fill you with power from heaven. By a show of hands, can I just, I want power from heaven. Who wants power from heaven? I do because this life is really, really hard. Who would agree with that statement? This life is not easy. And guys, listen, I have news for you. I'm not sure that it's going to get easier. That is why we need the power from heaven. This past week, every day, multiple times, 
I would open my hands and I would just say, Lord, will you fill me with your spirit? Holy Spirit, fill me up. And I've, I've felt something shift. I've felt something stirring, and I can't pinpoint what it is, but it's good. And what happened is I realized, oh, shoot, I haven't been doing that. I pray, I worship, I read and I study God's word. I do a good job of filling myself up with the things of God, but I was not asking to be filled with his spirit. And remember, it says continually be filled. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says this. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And listen, when you're saved, when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. But have you asked to be filled with his spirit? And are you persistent in that? I realized I hadn't been. I've not been persistent in asking the Lord to fill me. The enemy has done a very, very good job of distracting us to the point that we're missing so much. Even people who are in the word of God every day miss things. I've been missing it. Like the simple instruction of asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The enemy wants you powerless and weak. Or should I say he wants you spiritless and weak. He doesn't want you to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because guess what? You'll receive power from heaven as the Lord fills you. So everywhere you go, everywhere you step, you will be carrying the power of heaven. Even in the midst of all the chaos of the world, even in the midst of your own trials and troubles, you will carry the power of heaven. See, I think Satan has had a fairly easy time of stealing things that belong to us, of taking territory that belongs to us, of holding on to the inheritance that belongs to us because the bride has not been walking with the power of heaven inside. We're usually just running on fumes. And listen, the enemy is not scared of a little flame, but what he is scared of is the fire of God, the fire that God will put in you, the power from heaven that God will put in you. John the Baptist said, there's one coming who is greater than I, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You are meant to have the fire of God inside of you. You are meant to be walking and living with the power and authority that comes from heaven. That's what the enemy fears. Here's a newsflash. I don't think the enemy fears your salvation. I don't think he's trying to stop people from getting saved. I don't think he cares about that. I think he cares about what you're going to do after that. Are you going to be a threat to him, to his kingdom? I don't think his goal is to keep people out of heaven. I think his goal is to stop people from bringing heaven to earth. 
And so far, he's done a good job of that because you know what? There's a lot of people walking around saved. They've got their spot in heaven, but they are making no impact for the kingdom of God on earth. If you are in here today, the Lord is calling you out. He is saying, you, you, you. I am calling you to be filled with my spirit so that I can call you out to be a voice, to be my voice. As I've prepared this message, the Lord has reminded me how much I need to be filled with his spirit, how much you need to be filled with his spirit. And listen, I know that there's people in this room today that you have felt like giving up on God. You have felt like giving up on life. There's people here today that are so weary. You're so tired. You're so tired of the battle. Feels like it's just attack after attack after attack. You say things like, good grief. I can't do it anymore. I just can't do this anymore. I was saying those exact words just a few weeks ago. I can't do this anymore. And you know what? We can't. We can't do it, but he can. But listen, if you're running on empty, if you don't have any oil in your lamp, you have to come to the one who will fill it. You have to come before him and you have to open your hands and you have to ask You have to ask him, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me up. See, God is faithful and he is true and he keeps his promises. So remind yourself of what his word says. Luke 11, that verse, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The asking is your part. The asking is my part. We have to quit assuming that God is going to do things without our participation. He he, He wants to partner with you. He says, invite me in today and I will change your circumstances. He might not remove your circumstances, but he will change them. This, this closing song that we're singing, it's, it's Make Room. And I did not choose this song. It was already in the set list. This message was already written. You guys, listen. We cannot continue on the way we have continued. The bride of Christ has to wake up. We have to go to the Lord. We have to start asking. We have to be filled with his spirit if we want to walk out this life with power and authority. Jesus did not die for nothing. He didn't die just to give us the Holy Spirit. He died so that we could actually draw on the power and authority that comes from it. So I'm just going to ask that if you have felt a stirring in you, know that that is the Lord. 
And I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe you've never done it, but I think sometimes our posture matters. It's actually more about what it will do in us. It's not that God can't do, you know, what he wants to do in you if you're just in your seat, but there is something that will happen in you as you move. So if you have been stirred today by the Lord, I would ask that you would come forward during this last song and do what David did. Search me, O God. Search me. Remove anything in me that offends you. And then say, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you died so we could be full of you. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to walk in the ways that you're calling us to walk. 